Hello and welcome to Central's podcast. We pray your heart is touched through listening and that it helps you in your walk with Jesus. Today's message is from Pastor Kurt. We have two other testimonies we want to share before I share God's word today. I'm going to ask for Steve Dew and Carrie Boyce to make their way up. Uh, They're going to share some things that happened to them uh, during the week of overflow services. Why don't you welcome them to the platform? (sighs) Okay. Um, Sunday night, uh, my experience began right as uh, Pastor Tim put his hand on my head. And uh, a little detail I think is important. We were both thanking the Lord and thanking Jesus. Uh, I sensed a welling up inside me very similar yet more substantial to uh, or comparison to an adrenaline rush. Um, a phrase of words in another tongue gradually took over my mouth and spoke through me and getting stronger in waves each time I spoke the phrase. Um, as it started to happen, I kept thinking, uh, how do I get out of the way? And, um, you know, that's just my nervous mentality of like, you know, uh, my brain gets ahead of my heart way too much and gets stuck there. And uh, well, I wanted to make sure I was in a posture of surrender to the Spirit. Uh, th- those who've gone before me may know this experience of the Holy Spirit will knock fear and anxiety out of you, which you didn't realize that you still had. Um, you know, it's like where, where the Spirit resides, the devil must flee. And um, this really charged me up for the week of fasting of prayer, of reading the word, getting filled in the special evening services. And, uh, you know, I didn't even get a caffeine headache. Coffee drinkers, where are we at? Um, you know, talk about an overflow. I have been writing that ever since then. Um, I've been feeling that peace, that boldness, that encouragement. Um, whenever I misstep now, the Holy Spirit is quicker to step in, you know, with a whisper to correct me or a, a nudge, a cross check. Um, whatever it takes. It's all taken me to a whole new level on my walk with God, uh, from getting saved on April 10th, a week before Easter, uh, to getting baptized right here on May 22nd to close out the uh, 70th anniversary weekend. Uh, it's been a rapidly accelerating walk, and you know I'm going to keep putting my feet down where uh, God places steps in front of me. Uh, as I've been far from perfect with my discipleship, I'm sure you guys know what that's like, Uh, The experience is a testimony to God and his immeasurable love, grace, and faithfulness. Um, His perfect plan for each of us is right on schedule. It's bigger and better than anything we could ever imagine. We just have to keep our yes on the table. Before before Carrie goes, I just want to uh, acknowledge, I mean, when Steve gave his life to Jesus... It was just within a few weeks then that he wanted to be baptized. We literally were just working it out with the schedule of when we could do it and so on. And he dove right into new believer discipleship and just ate it up and then continued in men. I think it was a men's group after. So it wasn't like, okay, I did this thing and now I'm just going to let go. But he continued to pursue the Lord in daily discipleship, but also in our services. He didn't say, well, I'm too young of a Christian to experience something. Well, I'm not going to come to these evening services. He was there front row every single night. And what he's doing is he's pursuing God's will for his life. He wants to be in the presence of God and God is so faithful and showed up. So I just love what the Lord's doing uh, in your life. And I appreciate your willingness to be discipled by the Lord. So, all right, Carrie, you're up. (laughs) 
Okay. Um, so my testimony actually begins back in uh, 2019. I had gone to the uh, eye doctor, and they had diagnosed me with uh, closed angular glaucoma. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's where uh, fluid will build up between the lens and the pupil because it can't uh, be released. Um, thank goodness for praying spouse and family members. Um, since 2021, I have had a decline in seeing things like the projector screen, uh, computer screens, phones, tablets, I mean any electronic device you can name. So um, I'd go to specialist after specialist who would say, yes, you need to have this laser surgery. Um, but, you know, I only do it for blue eyes. I only do it for this color eye. I only do it for light browns. So I didn't get to do a whole lot of that or explore that any further. Um, however, in 2022, I got to go see another specialist who said, yes, you do need the surgery. Um, the good news in that with the praying family is that my retina had not been deteriorated yet. Um, we did find out the cost of these surgeries, and my husband and I both knew that that's not going to happen. I mean, we just don't have that money. Um, so once again, the whole family started praying again. And then Monday night at the Overflow Conference, uh, Pastor Tim asked the pastoral team to make the faith tunnel. And I will be honest, as I was trying to stay in my seat and begrudgingly got up and walked down the faith tunnel, I began to pray. And something I noticed with your testimony actually is uh, the testimony doesn't come until you let go and let God. So even going through the faith tunnel, I hadn't let go or let God yet. I get down here, I start worshiping, and it's just me and God. And I finally let go. And when I let go, my eyes started to feel like they were unsticking. Like if you were taking duct tape and ripping it off of something, it just, you, I could feel that. And then a gush of fluid just started coming out. Um, after I wiped my eyes, I looked up and I could read the projector screen. Yeah. And not only that, I went home and the next day I pulled out my laptop because I had been prophesied to begin writing. And I pulled it out and pulled up my document and could actually see to type that whole week <laughs> that whole week I began working on um, my life story and was able to complete chapter one of it so I'm just very thankful that we serve an awesome God yeah. I want you guys just to stay here why don't you stand with me for one moment 
I want you just to raise your hand if either of these resonate with you. Just you want more of the Holy Spirit or specifically if you have issues with your eyes that you would no need healing. Just raise your hand. Heavenly Father, we now recognize that when someone testifies about what Jesus has done in their life, it foretells, it prophesies what you want to do in somebody else's life. So Father, we don't look at Steve and Carrie and say, well, why didn't that happen to me? We look at Steve and Carrie and we say, if it happened to them, it could happen to me. So right now we ask, God, that you would calm people's nervousness, calm their soul when they're seeking you in this moment after service on their way home. God, that they would be able to experience a pure, a natural, an authentic outpouring of your Holy Spirit in their lives to overflowing, and that they would see boldness and power to follow that experience. And Father, right now we speak to any eyes, we speak to deterioration, we speak to bacteria, virus, diseases that are affecting the eye, and we say be healed in Jesus' name. We command clarity of eyesight to return in Jesus' name that your, your eyes would be able to function as the Lord God Almighty created them to function. And Father, we believe if you've done it once, you can do it again and that you will do it again. In Jesus' name we pray. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you give them one more round of applause? Thank you so much. Yeah. You can be seated at this time. I mentioned to you a few weeks ago, we're going to keep with the theme of overflow for the remainder of January, uh, these next two, today and next uh, Sunday. And then the theme really for the year, we just feel like that is the word of the Lord over this church is overflow throughout the year. You know, with that, we've talked about our 2027 vision and these different old spiritual wells that we want to redig and new spiritual wells that we want to dig for the first time. And one of them is the well of his presence. So we want to be very intentional as we're redigging or digging these wells uh, that we're using from Genesis 26. We want to be intentional to provide ministry opportunities for each of these areas as the Lord progresses through this. So for the well of his presence, we want to focus on two things as a church. Number one, we're offering weekly prayer. There are a multitude of, uh, of uh, prayer opportunities. We're just highlighting these two for right now. You can check out the group schedule, uh, the group catalog for other ones. Uh, these are ones that, that our staff led. They're at 8.30 on Monday morning and 6 o'clock on Wednesday night. So if you don't have to be at work until 9.30, you can come on in on Monday mornings. If you're in a group on Wednesday nights, try to eat a little bit earlier and get there at 6 o'clock. We'll break at 6.45. If you need to leave early, it's perfectly fine. We want to be people of his presence. Another area that we're introducing this year is called Overflow Worship Nights. The first one is coming up the first Sunday in February at six o'clock. So what is that? It's a night of worship. That simple. We're not going to overschedule anything or overprogram anything. Uh, we're going to begin with a time of worship. We might have some prayer integrated with it. We'll let the gifts of the Spirit flow. We'll rest at the altar as long as the Lord uh, wants us to. If a word needs to be given or if there's a teaching that night, who knows? We're going to let the Holy Spirit have his way. We need to be people of his presence. We believe more of testimonies like Steve, like Carrie will happen when we're not on necessarily a Sunday morning schedule uh, as we are in these services. So be looking forward to that. Mark your calendar. Uh, we did send out a newsletter at the end of December with the first, I think it was maybe four or five of the overflow worship nights. 
we'll get those out so you can mark your calendar as well. One of the other areas that I uh, was sensing when I was praying into this year and the Lord was talking about overflow is he highlighted the book of John uh, to me. And I was wondering, all right, is this a sermon series in the book of John? Is it like you know, four weeks, eight weeks or whatever? And I, I mean, I really like dwelled on this and I don't, I don't want to get this wrong, but I feel like the Lord is saying to invest this entire year into the book of John. So starting in February, all the way through November and December, we'll do, you know, a Christmas series leading up to celebrating Jesus's birth. But for these other 10 months, we are going to dig deep into the book of John. Now we'll break it up into sermon series. So we're not like, okay, we're on John week 35. You know, we'll break it up by month and there'll be different topics and focal points and so on. But what we anticipate doing is taking it, basically heading by heading, so each week might, t- or each chapter might take two or three weeks to get through. We're not going to do a verse by verse teaching, but really the theme of maybe 20 to 30 verses, we'll preach on that. But what I like about it is it will give our church family a very specific reading to, in, uh, to digest, to meditate on before we ever gather on Sunday. So Holy Spirit can teach you everything He wants to know, and maybe I'll just be the icing on top. So He wants you to be able to read what we'll be preaching on beforehand, listen to Holy Spirit. Also, we're gonna have prayer focuses each and every week. So you'll know, if if you ever wanna know, what's our church focusing on? It's this portion of John, whatever, chapter, whatever, and it's this specific prayer point with maybe some sub points underneath it. We're gonna provide it each and every week, uh, starting in February all the way through November. And we believe that as we focus, and we're we're focused not just as individuals, but as a church family, that he's gonna do some unique things things through our lives. If you agree, will you say amen? Amen. That means so be it. So be it. Yeah, Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that now we would receive just the the preaching of your word, that your word would cut us deep, that your word would transform our lives. Without you and without your spirit, uh, we're nothing. So we need your word to speak the loudest and the clearest in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I was in college, I would like to consider myself an avid dart player. I don't know if I actually was, but I'd like to remember myself as one. Uh, my favorite game was cricket. So if you know that, uh, that game, there are certain numbers that you have to close out by hitting, uh, hitting the board three times within that number. Once it's closed out, you start getting points. The object is, is to close out all the numbers and have more points than your opponent before they close it out. Well, me and my buddy Ray, we used to pair up a lot, and we would truly like smash our opponents. I mean, we would just annihilate them. One of us would close out a number and just start scoring all the points while the other one kept closing out the numbers until we would win. Now, we couldn't really tell if we were good or not. We thought we were because we were playing other people, but maybe our other opponents weren't that good. We didn't know. We just won a lot. Until the day we met the two, the two big guys. These were like the two fraternity guys. When they'd walk into the room, all the underclassmen would get a little bit nervous and, you know, what's going to happen with us? Well, they challenged us. We, we beat like three or four other teams. Uh, that night, my apartment had a dartboard right, uh, right when you walked in. And these guys wanted to, to play us, and we were a little bit nervous. We were going to, the real showdown, the big guys, the top dogs, so they started to throw, we started to throw, and they were beating us. I'm like, oh, man, maybe we're really not the stuff. Maybe we didn't have what we thought. And I really don't remember what happened. We just got in our groove. I was thinking maybe like Eye of the Tiger came on or something to get our adrenaline going. 
And we start nailing these numbers and closing things out. And at the end, we had more points than them. It was like, we won. We showed up. We really were good. Because we proved ourselves in a difficult situation. I want you to think about this in life. How we function in a difficult circumstance often indicates our level of growth and maturity. See, in darts, we could think we were really good when we were playing really bad teams. But we had to play somebody really good and have fierce competition to actually show that we were there. In our spiritual walk, it's pretty easy when there's no competition to live in the overflow. It's really easy at the altar space to say, man, the Lord really poured his spirit out. Wasn't his presence so thick? Wasn't service awesome? Oh, Tim's messages were great. And it's so easy to be almost like on an adrenaline rush when you're inside these walls. And then you face some competition. You walk out and your boss treats you like a jerk on Monday morning, right? A bill comes in you weren't expecting. Something happens in your life that creates tension, stress, overwhelmment. And in that moment, how you are functioning with the Lord will be an indicator of how much you were living in the overflow before that issue happened. That's what I want to talk about today is staying in the overflow when you are feeling overwhelmed. This is really the bottom line, I believe, is that the Lord wants you to live in the overflow even when you are overwhelmed. It doesn't take the pain away. It doesn't take sometimes the stress away immediately. It doesn't take what your flesh is feeling away, right away. But if you can stay in that overflow, if you can stay in the groove of being in his presence and pursuing God, I believe that he will give you victory no matter what your situation. There might be sorrow and there might be pain and there might be tears, but I believe that he will give us a life of overflow. Amen? So the passage that the Lord led me to is Acts chapter 4. The main characters here are Peter and John. You'll see words like Sadducees. These are experts in the law, the religious law of the day. If you were one chapter back in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking uh, to the temple for prayer. So they're Christians, but they're still practicing their Jewish practices. And on their way to the temple, they come uh, in contact with a lame beggar. He's been lame his whole life, can't walk. And they end up uh, praying, and this man is healed. So the power of Jesus heals him. Well, after he's up and he's running around, and he's cheering and so on, Peter uh, gets up and he begins preaching to everybody who's listening. And it's a powerful sermon. I mean, if you just go back uh, the day of Pentecost, then again, right in Acts chapter 3, these are great messages that Peter is speaking. Well, the religious leaders did not like this at all. They did not want people, of course, being healed. They wanted them under their own control, and they did not want Jesus being preached about. So in verse 1 of Acts chapter 4, it says this, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, They put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. And the number of men, remember, they counted only men back then. So picture the women and the children as well uh, who believed just the men alone were about 5,000. So they stay overnight. 
The next day, the religious leaders meet again. The high priest comes in. The verses say actually with some of his family. So this is like the big dog, right? Now he showed up. Peter healed a man through the name of Jesus, preached a good message, but now the big guy has showed up to cast what they wanted to be judgment. In verse eight, it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was, a, who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucify, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands healed. I mean, this is a pretty aggressive answer. Down in verse 13, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. He was astonished that they took note and that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see that the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they kick Peter and John out of the room. They confer with one another. They figure out, listen, we can't punish them. We can't flog them, beat them. So they called them back. And this is what happened in verse 18. They called them in. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about uh, what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Now, in this portion of Scripture, this is the first time that we see real persecution happen to the early church. Before it happened to Jesus, and they were a part of it. But now, this healing happens, the preaching happens, and this is where the rubber meets the road. I mean, there was persecution happening. They were now arrested. Now, if you read different scholars, some will say that this happened in the same year as the day of Pentecost happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out and they spoke the word of God in boldness. Other uh, scholars would say that each chapter represents about a year in time. So some would say it's about two years after. Regardless, these men now just got arrested. I want you to put, them in your sh- put yourself in their shoes for a moment. If you literally were talking to a friend about Jesus and the police showed up and literally took you to prison and said, you cannot talk about this anymore. Like this is illegal. You're not allowed to do it. We would be able to tell in that moment if we were living in the life of overflow or not, would we not? Right? It would get very real to us. See, we see what happened to Jesus and we read the scriptures that the apostles were with them and we think they're like some superheroes, but they're not. They were mere human beings completely surrendered to the Lord. So now they're arrested and they're seized. And I love the evidence that is shown here in Peter's life because it said that when they asked him how this person was healed, we didn't read those verses, but the next verse said that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to answer them. You know what that means? Is that Peter, for all the way from the day of Pentecost till today, till that day, he stayed filled with the Holy Spirit. 
I would like to propose to you that he didn't get filled one time, maybe a year ago or two years ago, and then just live off of that experience. That he did what Paul said, to not be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning to be continuously and ongoing, filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. I believe that's the life that Peter was living. So when things got overwhelming, he's arrested, he's shackled. The very high priest in that entire region is saying, do not speak any more about this name. Peter was able to stay filled with the Holy Spirit and stand up in that moment. I want to be like that. I want you to be like that. I want us to be prepared. So if overwhelming situations come, if tragedy strikes, we'll be there with the Holy Spirit. Does that mean that you don't feel pain? Absolutely not, right? Does it mean you don't grieve? Does it mean that you don't have turmoil for this moment in time? No, listen, you can experience those things in your flesh, but when you have that overflow washing over you and he is there to help you, it will soothe the pain. It will bring comfort. It will bring boldness. It will bring faith. And you'll know he is there to help you. Amen? So we see this. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 13, it says that they saw the courage that John and Peter had as they talked. And they said, listen, these people are unschooled. They're unlearned men. But you know what they said? They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, do you think they saw John and Peter on either side of Jesus just frolicking down the road? Jesus isn't even there anymore. How did they know he was with Jesus? How did they know? They took note based on their courage and their boldness. They're saying there's no way these average men would be acting like this unless they were with the one named Jesus. That's what I want said about us, folks. When difficulty comes, when those things that are overwhelm our life comes, I want us to be able to respond even in those points of pain with courage, so much so that somebody says they had to be with someone else other than themselves. This is different. This is different. And I believe because they were already living in this overflow that they experienced it. Ask yourself, like if you've ever been in this situation, I, guarantee, I know that I have, I admit to you, where at an altar, or if the music's just right at home and you're reading the Bible, an experience with God, and you're like, oh man, this is like my holy bubble, right? Everything feels right, temperature's even right. And like, it's like, man, God, don't ever leave. I don't ever wanna leave this moment. Right? But then Monday comes and Tuesday comes and Wednesday comes and people don't treat you like you're living in a holy bubble. Right? Like, don't you see the bubble around me? Right? Life hits you. And then in that moment, you don't feel the goosebumps. In that moment, you don't hear God's voice. In that moment, you're like, oh my goodness, like my life is completely changed now. What am I supposed to do? First thing you think, I have to call Adam. I need him on the keys. I need the lights down low. I want him playing, right? I want to feel it again. Well, sometimes you're not going to feel it. Sometimes you have to say, I have stored up enough spirit in me that I can now overflow in this 
moment. And I believe that's how Peter, again, whether he was shackled, I don't know how he stood before the high priest, but he was able to be filled with the Spirit. So what I want to do is I want to learn from these, these following verses, verse 23 to 31, of how Peter and John responded after they got released. Because what they could have done is acted really tough in front of the high priest. And this, and you tell me, I'm going to obey you. But when they walk away, they could have been afraid. Fear of man could have set in, right? You could start wondering, man, did I do the right thing? What if that guy, uh, what if his leg starts hurting him again? What if those people don't get into discipleship? I mean, they could have been wondering all kinds of things as they walked away. And this is what they did. Verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. I love that phrase. I love it. They went back to their own people and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And let me read to you their prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And this is what David said. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one speaking of Jesus. This is still their prayer. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. This is them talking to God. Now, uh, they go on and say, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and perform uh, signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Then it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Ooh. Back up in verse 23, it says they went to their own people. And what they did is they told them what happened, but they didn't turn it into a gripe session. They didn't turn it into a complaint session. They didn't go and say, oh, look at poor me. No, what they did is they found people who were going to believe like they believe, who could strengthen them, encourage them, and be with them in their time of feeling overwhelmed. Listen, they weren't superheroes. They weren't lone rangers. They weren't saying, listen, if I could stand in front of the high priest filled with the Holy Spirit, what do I need these other people for? Absolutely not. They went back to their own people to receive strength. And if I could say this without embarrassment, Mel and Susan, I stood with our pastors in that back prayer room to pray with them. You know what they told us? He said, we're living in the overflow. He said, we're living in the overflow of care and love from our church family. I'm telling you, you don't know what that means to a pastor of a church to hear from people who are hurting and who have faced tragedy and to know that many people, not one, not two, but many people surrounded them and continue to surround them. You should have saw the viewing out the door. Listen, they know who their own people are. You knew that you were a part of their people and you showed up in a time of need to strengthen and to build faith. And we thank you for that. I mean, this is real life stuff, guys. 
This is not a three-point sermon. My question is, is do you have your own people that you can go to to strengthen you and lift you up? I'm, I'm asking you from today on, no more excuses. If you believe that God has created us to live in community, do not let your schedule or your personality, when I'm an introvert, or I don't make friends easy, sign up for a group. Get in, involved with discipleship. Come to Todd, myself, one of the pastors. We will help you start something and gather people around you. There is absolutely no excuse. If we believe that God says, be in community, then we have to believe that God will put us in the right community. Right? If it's his will, he will help us get connected, even if it's just a few people. I believe that every single Christian could say, I have my own people. So when things get rough, I know exactly where to run. So what happened when they went to their people? It says that they raised their voices together, together, together. What was happening here is there was a unified voice of prayer. Now I guarantee you, watch the chosen if you, if you want to just, pick apart um, personalities just a little bit if you want to put a, an image to it. These guys were not all unified all the time, right? And now it's grown to thousands of people. So I guarantee they had some different beliefs, different personalities. There's no way they agreed on everything all the time. But in this moment, they chose to be unified. They pushed all their other differences aside. They honored one another that they knew that God could do something miraculous and they stayed unified. You know what you don't see in scripture? You don't see one person whispering to another, you know, if Peter would just learn to keep his mouth shut, he wouldn't be in this problem. <laughs> How many of you know somebody was thinking it? Somebody was thinking it, but they didn't say it. They didn't gossip. They didn't judge. They unified together. It reminds me of what scripture says. Jesus is the head. We are the body. Do you know there's not an Assemblies of God body and a Presbyterian body and a Methodist body and a Baptist body? Did you realize that? Christ is the head and there's one body and it's us. All of us. All of us. We walk around, we're like, like, like we're some mutant, right? There's one head, but there's 15 bodies. No, there's not going to be unity that way. There's one body. I think we can learn to honor somebody just because they're a Christian. And even if they look different than us, think different than us, that so we could say, you know what? In a time of need, I'm setting differences aside and we are gonna be unified in this thing. And that's what they experienced in this moment. And that's why I believe that power continued to flow through the church. So what did they do together in a unified fashion is they prayed, they prayed. And it says here that they raised their voices together in prayer. That leads me to believe that there was not somebody on the side. Like, in that moment, there wasn't the hospitality team that was setting up the meal. And there wasn't the discipleship team who was going to follow up with the new believers and then the prayer team. I believe in that moment, they all were prayer warriors. There wasn't a choice. And I'm telling you, I value our altar team. I value those who meet in prayer on different nights of the week. I value our intercessors, but I truly believe there is coming a day in this country, the nation that you live in, where you won't be able to say, oh, I'm so happy those 10 people are praying for me every week. No, 
you will need to be a prayer warrior yourself. Yes, you'll have your people, and yes, you will bind together, but laws will change and pressure will come, and we'll need to be a praying person ourselves. Go ahead and call the intercessors. I know that they'll pray, but I'm telling you, you you're going to have to have a prayer life yourself. So find your people. Who are they? You don't know. Sign up for a group. Get involved somewhere. No more excuses. And if they're not a praying people, then you lead the way. You pray by yourself and you come and you say, you know what? This is what I'm learning about prayer when you're talking with your people. They knew how to pray. And I'm telling you, God showed up in that moment. What I want to do in in these closing minutes is this. I want to share three different aspects of this prayer that I believe you can use by yourself, but I believe it will be powerful when you're praying with your own people. It started in verse 24, and I believe what they were doing here is they were praying about who God is. Now, what they didn't do, they didn't start their prayer with hear their threats. They didn't start their prayer with, God, we're in so much trouble. God, did you see what happened to me? I got shackled tight. God, did you see the embarrassment? They threatened us and they scared us. None of that. How they started was by adoring God for who he is. They started with sovereign God. You who have created everything in the heavens and the earth. And they go on for a couple of verses explaining who God is in their prayer. Now, does God have a short memory? Was God having a rough day and he needed to be uplifted? Absolutely not. None of that portion was to impress God. That was to remind themselves of who God is. So in the presence of God, they began to recount who he is. And as you make God bigger in your life, guess what? Your problems get smaller. He gets bigger, that feeling of overwhelming gets smaller. So I would encourage you when a tough time comes, when, when an issue comes in your life, when you're feeling overwhelmed, don't just start with your need. God, I thank you that you've created everything. And if you have figured out how to create the planets and how a human body works and how every star stays in place, then I know you can handle my situation. Right? So you just start with him. Like, I don't know what else to pray. I don't know how to pray scripture. Find some key verses that talk about attributes, the nature, the character of God, and pray who he is. Amen? The second portion is this, is they prayed about what God did. In verse 25, it says, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. And what they do in those next verses, they're talking about when David was literally prophesying without even knowing it, the pressure and the tension that would come against Jesus. So what they're doing is saying, God, we recognize who you are. And God, now we recognize of what you've already done, what you've said, what you said was going to happen. And later on in those verses, it says, uh, what happened was by your power and your will to happen. So what is that? It's reminding God what he did, but it's reminding you what God has already done, right? So now you're saying, God, 
I remember that time when you did heal me. I remember that time, that moment when you filled me with your spirit. I remember that time when you allowed our relationship uh, to get stronger. I remember that time when. What you're saying is this. You are setting up, like Adam talked about earlier, those testimonies, those memorial stones, building your faith by remembering what he has done. Are you with me? You're saying, God, these are the things you've already done. And what it also does is this. It reminds you that nothing surprises God. Nothing surprises him. Like, God, you were not taken, you know, off course by this. God, you're not surprised by this. God, you weren't, you know, you're not on your heels by this thing. We know who you are. We know what you've done. And the third area of prayer that they went into, and Pastor Adam, you can come forward to play it this time is this, is they prayed about what God will do again. See, Peter and John, and I would, I would venture to say that there were other people in that house. They were the ones that were also there on the day of Pentecost. So these people, they've already experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They've already spoken in other tongues. They've already proclaimed the word of God boldly. And yet they ask to do it again. They ask God for it again. You might say, well, why do they need to do this again? Like, couldn't God have said, hey, I did this one time. I poured out the Spirit. That started the church. You should be fine the rest of your life. I think what the Lord's teaching us is dependence. Dependence. We're dependent on God. I've heard people say like that they feel like they're a weak Christian because they have to continuously ask God to fill them and give them boldness and courage. Like they think something 10 years ago should just stick with them. No, those are launching points, launching points. Another experience is another launching point. It was never meant to be a one and done deal. I've heard the theology before that once you ask the Lord for something one time, if you truly believe in faith, that he heard you, that what you should do is just thank him and don't ever ask for it again. Just thank him that it's going to be done. That if you do ask for it again, then you lack faith because that first time should have been enough. Unfortunately, I don't see that in scripture. I see Peter baptized with the spirit in Acts 2. I see Peter filled with the spirit in Acts 3. And later on, I mean, how bold can you get? You're talking smack on the high priest, folks. Right? He preaches a hard word and then he stands up to the high priest. How much more boldness do you need? And yet he leaves and he says, Sovereign God, you've heard their threats. Now, 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 give us boldness. Give us courage. Fill us again perform signs and wonders and miracles. He's saying, God, the very thing that got us in trouble in the first place, do it again. Do more of it. Do more of it. Fill us with courage. Go ahead and say, Peter doesn't have faith because he asked a second time. I think they learned how to be so dependent on the Lord that they were just like every morning, God, fill us once again. Do it again. Do it again. And maybe it's not courage. Maybe it is a relationship. Maybe it's a healing. I don't know what you're going through. But if you are feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling the pressure, if you're feeling like trouble is right upon you, I'm saying find your people, just two or three people even, that can pray with you. 
and adore the Father. Recognize who He is. Remind yourself of what He's already done and then ask Him to do it again. Amen? Why don't you stand at this time? If you could stand to your feet, please. I love the result of this prayer. It says, after they prayed, the place was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They asked for boldness and the Lord answered by filling them once again with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. God answered. He answered their prayer. Now the first time he filled them with the Spirit, there was that sound of the rushing wind and tongues of fire were resting. And now either a year or maybe two years later, now the earth is shaking. You know the disciples never really talk about that part. They don't get caught up in how the Lord manifests. They actually walk out his answer. They just continue to speak boldly now. They preach. They perform miracles, signs, and wonders as the Holy Spirit enables them. They do what God has empowered them to do without getting caught up in the experience. You guys catching that? So do I, I would encourage you, do what Adam, I think he talked about it in first service. Write your experiences down so you don't forget them. Journal them, tie scriptures to them, and use it as a launching point. Don't say, oh, I remember I was filled with the Spirit way back in 1984. I got my badge. I spake in tongues. I did it all. Been living on my own the rest of my life. Absolutely not. Use that as a launching point. Don't use Sundays as your only time with God. Use it as a launching point for the rest of your week. So if and when trouble comes, you will be living in the overflow. I want you just to bow your heads. If you don't mind, just close your eyes. And the reason I'm asking you to do this is so you close yourself off with just you and the Lord. I know you have maybe loved ones next to you or maybe people you don't even know next to you. And I just want you to be able to work things out with the Lord in this moment. I simply want to ask you if you are feeling overwhelmed by a life situation right now, I'm telling you, in just a few moments, there'll be people at the altar. They are trained and they are trusted. And they will be your friend. They will be your people in this moment to surround you in prayer. They are people of faith that believe that God can and will move in your life. So just consider that for a moment. You and yourself, are you facing an overwhelming situation? If you are, Jesus is the answer. And there are other people who are going to surround you to encourage you and build you up. A second question for you as your heads are still bowed is this, is if you know that you do not have people, like believing people, because you have never actually come into the family of God by surrendering your life to Jesus, let today be the day. Let today be the day to say, you know what? I need God as my father first, and then I want to enter into this family of God to be surrounded by other believers. Or maybe you've given your life to Jesus and you've just done life your own way. You've walked away from the good father and you say, you know what? Something's tugging on my heart today to come back into the family of God. This is not about joining Central Assembly of God. This is not about this church. This is about you and a personal relationship with Jesus. If that is you today and you want to make that decision for the first time or you want to come back 
to God in this moment. I want you to look up at me. I want you just to raise your hand with confidence. I want to acknowledge you, and then we want to pray with you. Anyone in this room today, for the first time, or you want to come back to the Lord, just raise your hand so I can see it. If you're online and you're making that decision, there's a way right on the hub to click on the quick connect, and you can share with us decisions you're making. Anyone in this room at all? I don't want to miss your hand if you haven't raised. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, right now we just come, we bless you, we honor you, and you are the sovereign God. You are the powerful God. You're the all-knowing God. You're the one, God, who is celebrating with us when we see victories, and you're the one who is also close to the brokenhearted. Father, we thank you, God, that you can minister to millions of people at one time, regardless of where we are. So we recognize who you are. And now we remember situations like Steve and like Carrie, healed, filled with the Spirit. We remember the salvations that you brought us just weeks ago and in first service even, God. And we remember that you are a miracle-working God. And now we ask, Lord, do it again. Do it again do it again. For the people who are feeling overwhelmed, the people who are feeling the pressure in life, would you do it again in their lives? In Jesus' name we pray. Can you say amen? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and go visit centralconnect.org for more information and media.